So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. These are very full cups. They are. That's we, a good uh, beer. We're not doing first impressions today because we're doing the best of 2018. And we chose one of the best beers still on tap at the Hellbent Brewing Company, uh, which is the Hefeweizen. Nice 5% and very lemon droppy. It's very lemony, just as good as before. I'm a big fan. I am too. I do like the low alcohol content because I do have to drive later. So, uh, and so do you, so. And we have lots of movies to get through Yeah, today. we have to try to maintain our, um, clarity. <laughs> yes. We've got a lot of words to talk with our mouths. Not just top tens, but a plethora of other categories, so. We're gonna Why? be here for a hot minute. A hot minute, indeed. Why don't we just hop right into your top ten? Number Shall ten. Shall we? Let's do number ten for you. My number ten. Made the list in the last hour or so. Mine too. Really? <laughs> yes. My number 10. put cold war at my number 10 oh. great choice love it yes it was uh uh really on the cusp for a long time uh thoroughbreds was in the top 10 spot yeah thoroughbreds was your number 10 and i couldn't believe yeah. it. yeah and uh cold war is not one that you know I, I've, I've rated others higher um i give it a four at the time but it's one that i think is just uh, stuck with me like I didn't expect it to. Um, we already talked about it on the podcast, but um, the combination of uh, Joanna Kulig, I mm -hmm. believe is her name, her performance, um, that black and white cinematography, and that smoky jazz is just just too good to forget. Um, it's one that, um, as much as I love Thoroughbreds, and we'll talk about Thoroughbreds in some other categories, um, I think I, I feel... Uh, an even stronger desire to revisit Cold War. Um, One thing I'll say when I was looking at just my top 30, top 40, just trying to narrow stuff down is, other than Mission Impossible Fallout, Cold War is one of the films that that wasn't yet in my top 10 where I was like, this is going to be beautiful in 30 years. Yeah. Like, beautiful. Yeah. Like, there's, it's not going to age at all. Yeah. The way that it was shot, that digital composition. Yeah. 
and like you said that smoky jazz feel to it oh, not yeah. just um the the atmosphere of the film that the characters inhabit but the very way that the lens communicates the image beyond that lens is some some sort of a smoky jazz feeling oh yeah yeah, and uh, it's hard not to remember just the viewing experience itself. You know, yes. we watched this, as we talked about on the podcast, at the Polish Film Festival. I still don't know um, what happened at the end exactly. I don't know for I know. sure. I'm torn by what you told me. I'm torn by what I experienced. And yeah, that, that film festival yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, it's one that like I'm a little nervous about because it's you know still hasn't gotten any distribution in the U.S. yet. I think it comes out at the end of this month. Well, it's um, uh, it's an Amazon Prime release, I believe, yeah. and I think that I've heard that they're going to attempt to distribute it as soon as it's formally announced as a final contender for the foreign yeah. Oscar. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so just a uh, kind of a latecomer, but um, I, I would highly encourage people to seek it out. Um, for all those reasons. I think it's great. I completely agree. Love that movie. And I can't believe it's not in my top ten. It's hard. If it was last year, it might have been in my top You know, like, yeah. pick a year and it might be different. You could ask me tomorrow and yeah. it could be higher. Well, Who knows? I guess we'll get back to this with Roma. Because that's going to mm. be on both of our lists. Or at least on my list. Gotcha. Um, but I think that the foreign nominees for the oscars this year are potentially much stronger than the domestic nominees 100 percent. i just wanted agree. to float that out there i think that is very possible between, i think we should just make them the best picture category yes i agree yeah between the guilty and shoplifters and burning and uh what roma and then uh this title cold yeah. war yeah, That's the best be the five, right? that category, best foreign language film, feels like this sidebar or something like that. I'm like, uh-huh. can this just be the main prize? I, I feel like, like that's where the film nerds live. Yeah, like, I think so. This is the real awards. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think they can only nominate five, but I mean, I think uh, I think it's it could be bigger if they wanted it to be. Um, yeah, I just mm-hmm. I didn't get to as many titles to know what those other ones would be. Yeah, I wish yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, I'm already behind on 2019 though. I know. <laughs> Gotta move on. Um, I guess, should we get to my number 10? What do you got? Uh, really small indie film. Except that, Ethan, you've lost this one once done is done. What's done is done when we say it's done. Showtime. Oh, my God. Almost no one saw it. No one ever saw the trailer for it. That's for mm. certain. Little tiny film directed by Christopher McQuarrie, mm. starring Tom Cruise. It's called Mission Impossible Fallout. Ever hear of it? This is new to me. Yeah, brand new. <laughs> Tom Cruise. I don't know. That doesn't ring a bell. Uh, kind of a little guy. Believes in some weird stuff, but really, mm. really good at acting. Handsome. <laughs> very handsome. Very, very daring. Very willing to put his body on the line. Very fast. Very fast. Quite the runner. Um, Quite the jumper. The the technical direction of this film mm. and the ensemble of, of actors and the way it's paced is all just so unique. I, I don't remember the name of the cinematographer, but this is the first time the cinematographer has ever shot anything like this. Mm. And uh, Christopher McQuarrie never told him what to do. Oh, interesting. Um, 
and th- there's a really long podcast from the Empire podcast, uh, which oh, yeah. is a British podcast about film. Um, it's like five hours long where they talk to Christopher McQuarrie about all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, w- I won't delve into all of it, but once you hear that and then you revisit the film, it just kind of breaks your mind mm-hmm. how well made this was, knowing what the production days looked like how much money they really had how much time they had how they didn't think it was a good movie at many Mm. many points in production yeah and what it was like to attempt to shut down some of these roads oh yeah and uh trying to talk tom out of getting on certain bikes and going 80 miles an hour down these streets in real life like tom we gotta draw the line somewhere (laughs) man and him not listening yeah (laughs) it's pretty impressive um yeah i just i i love this movie and i I think I'll revisit it and watch it with family for decades to come, not just yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, one I am uh, most definitely glad I saw in IMAX. One of the few that like I really went out of my way to go see in IMAX. I did too. Um, that was my first time seeing a movie at the uh, Pacific Science Center. Yeah, here the, in the Boeing uh, IMAX screening center. Great way uh, to experience that theater for the first time. Um, yeah. You you said ensemble. I I I think this will come back up on your ensembles, perhaps. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Things have moved it around. Got edged out. There's a small film from a director that you um, are a little bit familiar with. You you read a the book of his most recent film, mm. and uh, I couldn't look myself in the eyes and not mm. put that above this. I like it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, it, where, how does this rank in your uh, ranking of the Mission Impossible franchise? Is it number one? I think it's number three. Number three? Which do you like better? I I mean, I'd have to look... I mean, now that I say that out loud, I think this is probably my favorite. But I yeah. think that I did put De Palma's above this. I really like And I also am a very huge fan of uh, John Woo. Number two. Number two. Really big fan of what he brought. Um, I'm just a big fan of Hong Kong cinema. I don't know as much about it as I'd like to, but I think that it's a category and stylism of film that is really overlooked and underappreciated, kind of like Mm -hmm. some of those horror B genres. Yeah. Uh, And I really appreciated it, not only growing up, so I have tons of nostalgia, but the more I learn about Hong Kong cinema and what he brought in certain stylings. Yeah. um, And just when you think about when that came out and how it worked at a global level to bring back globalism yeah um yeah yeah, it's a very special film to me yeah yeah to me that one does have sort of a unique authorial stamp um in the franchise Mm -hmm. i mean the other ones kind of blend together for me in a good way i mean they all feel very cohesive that does have um its own sort of flavor it does um I think it is kind of hated on, not hated on, but um, disparaged a little I'd bit. I'd say unfairly. it's the last Jedi of the Mission Impossible mm, franchise. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. But you know, I like it, and I don't yeah. really like the Last Jedi. So there mm. you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, should we get to our wounded soldiers? You want to go first? We should. Uh, my wounded soldier. Do you have one, or do you have uh, a couple? I just I, have one. I only chose one. Okay, I only have one as well, and that wounded soldier is White Boy Rick. Oh! Which I really enjoyed. This is one of those movies where I just felt like I saw... What was the Metacritic rating on that? 59. 59. So it made it. Okay. It did. I think I looked at it, and I looked at the gross first, so I was like, Mm. rule it out. Oh, got it, got it. I didn't know if we were doing gross or meta, or if we were doing both. I was looking specifically at Metacritic. Um, 
Yeah, no, I I was too. I was trying yeah. to do both. Got it. Less than two hundred thousand domestic, and that less would be than that, that's hard. I found one. <laughs> Didn't get a domestic release. <laughs> that would be very tough. Um, yeah, I I just felt like I saw a different movie here. Um, I do think there's a great article on IndieWire. I think um, Ian Thompson wrote it about what went wrong with White Boy Rick and the rollout strategy for it. Um, and how they premiered it, I think, at TIFF, and it got bad reviews out of there, and how TIFF apparently is just a a notoriously hard festival to um, overcome uh, early bad reviews from. Um, Certain festivals are just, you know, kind of more generous than others. Mm -hmm. Um, Sundance, particularly. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that this was perhaps sort of a marketing issue. I was certainly going into it expecting something a little more propulsive than what it is, something a little bit more... um, Pulpy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And I think it is more dramatic, more of a family drama than what I think a trailer would lead you to believe. Um, And that very much worked for me. Um, I thought that this was... Did you see it in theaters? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I did too. I wonder why we... Oh, I think that maybe it was staggered for us. I think we just saw saw it it. apart, so it never ended up on the podcast. Yeah, I think Um, maybe I saw it right when it came out and you saw it a little, like, kind of at the end of its theater run. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it was definitely late in (laughs) its run. Uh, It's really special. Um, I agree. Um, I was really surprised as I was looking through the Metacritic reviews that would have hurt its score at, like, ones that just stood out as particularly negative. So this one was from the Wall Street Journal from a critic who I did not recognize. I didn't write down the name. But he starts with, A lot of deals go down and go bad in White Boy Rick, but the one that really goes awry is the one with the audience. When a viewer endures a certain amount of unpleasantness, bad taste, and squalor, said viewer expects to be rewarded, a payoff, a reason. It doesn't always have to be a moral redemption or justice prevailing or something sparklingly cinematic, just something that explains why one invested one's time. That really just is the opposite of what I experienced with this movie. Yeah, but this did seem to be a theme with some of the negative reviews it got, which was that people either thought it was just unpleasant mm-hmm. to watch this this family struggle in poverty. I mean, these are probably the same people that didn't like 8 Mile. You know? Very possible. <laughs> um, IndieWire called it poverty porn, where it was, to them, they felt it was saying, oh, look at these poor people. Um I just did not feel that way. I thought this was really empathetic. I th- yeah. felt like this was the portrait of a kid trying to help his dad keep their family together. Um, and it's a true story. You know, it's, yeah. it's slightly biopic. It's slightly over-dramatization, uh, extra stylings. I mean, it has some, some slowdowns. Yeah. Really, it does. It has some moments where you're like, ah, you didn't pull this off the best. And then there's some of these weird moments in the hotel room when when he's with the the dude who gets taken's uh girl and you're Mm. like how old is he right now and what the fuck is happening how is Mm. he doing this um yeah one like my my personal favorite moment um from this film is one of my favorite cinematic moments of the year Mm. um it's kind of the turn of everything in this film and it's a a slow swirl of a spin out oh yeah driving in the cold weather and it really reminded me of the uh visual uh 
cinematic language of Baz Luhrmann. Mm. Um, and just how this digital cinematography captures this black on white oh, yeah. um, beauty as they're spinning out and going through this terror. Oh, and, yeah. and both these main characters are just screaming for their lives. And I felt like that one moment encapsulated the film yeah. completely and just so beautifully. Yeah, yeah. It's father and son in a car spinning out, and that feels like what this family's kind of doing. Um, his sister is played by Belle Powley, and she kind of succumbs to uh, addiction. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where she ends up in, like, a crack house. And um, I agree. I thought the cinematography was stunning. When they go to retrieve her from that crack house, um, it's it's so dark, but I think it's beautifully shot. I, I forget whether it's Matthew McConaughey or the son who carries her out. But it's just like, yeah, it's just this image of, uh, you know, a family looking out for their own yeah um, and it's not overdone either yeah like that moment you're talking about that's a super impactful moment but you only spend maybe 10 minutes at the most with his sister yeah between yeah. the uh the restaurant experiences mcconaughey chasing the boyfriends out and yeah. then seeing her in bed um yeah. addicted and it, it it's kind of like that ben foster hem to the fences thing yeah again absolutely. And, and i think it's really really well done that's that's a yeah. great point um and uh, Bruce Dern as uh, Matthew McConaughey's dad, who yes. I thought was great. Um, you know, there's a scene. I think I mentioned this Nebraska, in my review. Yeah, a little great, bit of Nebraska I love to Nebraska. it. Great movie, but like the, his performance is a little bit of that, right? Oh yeah. Um, like he's maybe. I uh, is it unfair to say he's maybe maybe bordering on being a little senile or something like that. Oh, he's definitely uh, playing like a senile I, old man. Yeah, I hesitate sure. just because it's been a while, so I can't recall any specifics, but I do remember yeah. feeling that. Um, yeah, I do too. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene where he's just trying to make, Bruce Stern is trying to make pancakes for the kid and his wife, and nobody will eat them, like they're too busy. And it, to me, it's like there's just plenty of little moments like that of just a family trying to do normal things. Very and they're just human. struggling with, with hardship. Um I thought it was very human. Got not what it deserved at the box office, but um, it did not. That's all right. But at least it got a release. Unlike my title, Mary Magdalene. That's right. Uh, Mary Magdalene has a 47 on Metacritic, was not released to theaters domestically. However, it did gross over $11 million uh, worldwide. Mm. So, small caveat there. It was directed by Garth Davis, who... um, Worked with Jane Campion on mm. Top of the Lake, uh, Elizabeth Moss uh, limited series. It's very, very good. And then he also made Lion with oh, yeah. Nicole Kidman, Rooney Mara, and Dev Patel. Is that right? That's right. In the okay. lead role. Um, this is the second last, second to last score from Johan Johansson. Mm. Um, who was in this besides? Oh, yeah. Chuetel Ejiofor. Oh, yeah. plays Peter and um, there's these really small moments where where they're just in the desert looking for water and alone and I mean Rooney Mara is Rooney Mara you know she always turns up in my list last year her Una film was like number nine for mm. me um, she's just really special as a performer I love her in side effects from Soderbergh like she's oh, yeah. just great um and here she's just this vacant, open vessel that anybody of any gender can feel what it's like to, to be this character. And the film itself isn't really Christian. 
Mm. which is really wow. interesting and it's not even agnostic it's more of an atheistic take on it where you end up feeling Joaquin Phoenix's um, Jesus is kind of this like earnest uh, Charlie Manson type of a character wow. like a lunatic of joy that's interesting and and Rooney's uh, trying to be kind of or Rooney's Mary is, is attempting to be an independent person who's following her heart and her desire in mm. this traditional Jewish Orthodox structure mm. and in that surrounding uh, you know seaside village wh where there's men are in control of everything and she's constantly being demeaned and, and then there's these touching moments with Chueto Ejiofor who is an African American but in this he's an African um I mean, it's hard to really take it, but he seems to be just an, an African straight up playing yeah. the role of Peter. And there's these moments when they're looking for water in the desert that are just, they're shot in a way that reminds me of Werner Herzog's Salt and Fire. Mm. Just these beautiful shots of desolation and sadness that are somehow beautiful. Mm, and then that Johan Johansson score. And there's a lot of camera swirl, kind of like that white boy Rick, just constantly oh, yeah. swirling in chaos around Mary. And uh, it's just a really special movie, and no yeah. one likes it. It makes no. I think there's one positive review on Metacritic, twenty-seven wow. mixed, and then like, I don't know how many negative. <laughs> what's What's the overall on Metacritic roughly? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I have the exact mm -hmm. score. It's forty-seven. Forty-seven. Yeah, that is lower. I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was mainly just the distribution kind of debacle. Well, I mean, it, it, it was it also audience well scored received. so bad that they didn't release it domestically. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought, think it's because uh, it's atheistic, honestly. Yeah, I think this was uh, a Weinstein film, right? I think you might be right. Yeah, um, I don't know how many other. I think this might be one of those films that's that got just stuck in distribution limbo because some of those movies like nobody wants mm -hmm. because they have the Weinstein stamp on them yeah um you gotta think that there will be somebody who says these are still movies um i'll take them and distribute them um right. i mean I, I think it's still shocking that uh nobody would have bought this from them um and given it a u.s distribution um fingers crossed that it happens eventually i don't know i don't think I don't it can just it sit there on the shelf forever no because um, it's available for vod here it just oh, went is it really? to VOD. Yeah. Oh, got it. I, I think it might okay. even be coming to Prime or on Prime right now. Uh, got it. Got it. I thought it was just non-existent entirely. No, it's it's existing. It's <laughs> wounded. <laughs> it is the wounded soldier. It is limping. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's very, very particularly good. Um, should we navigate over to your number nine? Why don't you give us your number nine? All right. It's a film you loved. It is the director's cut, unrated version of... Are you allowed to speak along the way? I was thinking there might be rules. Let me put it this way. Very few make it all the way without uttering a word. But do carry on merrily. Just don't believe you're going to tell me something I haven't heard before. If you feel like screaming, I definitely think that you should. house that jack built one of Ooh. your favorite films ever made yeah similar to uh hail caesar <laughs> great stuff um i just love this fucking movie it's got one of my favorite adapted screenplays that i've ever seen taking inferno story and and 
twisting mm. it into uh, a self-examination of an artist's own egomaniacal sensibilities while <clears throat> doing something guttural and truthful to his vision. It's uh, it's just my sort of catnip, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if there was anything that I really, really did like about the house that Jack built, it is Matt Dillon's performance. Um, yes. I thought he was uh, funny and repulsive um, and just hit all those right notes. I think he did exactly what he needed to do. Um, and he he did carry the film largely for me. He did. D- did you respond well or poorly to Bruno Gantz's Virgil? Or Verge, rather? Uh, probably pretty neutral, pretty to be neutral. honest. Okay. Yeah. I the more that I look back on it, the more I, as far as narrators go, I really appreciate the way that he played that performance. Yeah, with kind of this neutral, like echoey resonance mm. throughout, and you're like, "What's the point of this?" And then you slowly begin to realize that this is a descent into hell for a man who's attempting to build his own house. And then you realize yeah. the material of that. Oh, it's just it's such a special auteur expression. I think that even the people that hate it, having a conversation with them about why they hate it is one of the more interesting conversations that is found in film this year. Mm. Kind of like Mother last year. Like, I don't care if you hate it. Tell me why you hate it. Let's talk about that because that's more interesting than talking about insert whatever schlog here. The Predator whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I'm not terribly familiar with Bruno Gans, but I think he's most famous for playing hitler in something um oh god what was he that movie be. called i'm forgetting what it was but uh like yeah i think Deadfall it's a, it, or whatever that's what i was thinking is that not Deadfall, right the zombie yeah. snow oh is that, is that a zombie movie maybe that's not yeah. the one deadfall is a zombie movie if i mm. remember correctly yeah valkyrie um, is the only other hitler movie i can think of yeah <laughs> Th- that's the only reason i had known his name beforehand so i thought that was maybe uh, an inspired bit of casting mm. um, because of where the uh, movie ultimately might be. goes. Might be. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. As a uh, as a vocal performer, pretty strong. I would agree. We don't need to spend too much time on it. If they want to know my real thoughts, they can go back to that episode. It's on the podcast. <clears throat> my number nine, one that I almost didn't even see because I thought it was going to be very meh. Was listen, kid. Things are changing. What do you mean? I'm selling him. He's not a pet. It's just a horse. I'll buy him. <laughs> With what money? And where are you going to keep him? Not in my stalls. Lean on Pete, which was directed by Andrew Hay, starring Charlie Plummer, uh, Steve Buscemi, Chloe Sevigny? I never know how to I, pronounce her last Savini name. It's either Sevigny or Sevigny. Yeah. It's certainly her better performance out of the two that I saw this year. What was the other one? Oh, Lizzie? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think she's a strong supporting character here. Um, Yeah, I think this was probably the most surprising movie of the year for me, one that I thought um, I had totally figured out in advance of uh, a story about a kid and a pet. Mm -hmm. It just felt like a particularly familiar territory, Um, and it really knocked me out. Um, I was really taken with Charlie Plummer's performance um i thought there was some beautiful cinematography of the northwest um and this just goes places that i never expected um you know this is a a spoiler alert i think we're doing spoilers as usual or no i I was thinking maybe we shouldn't this one not this one okay um 
Well, it it um, there is a particular dramatic moment, if I recall what you're. There are a couple, I think, pretty yeah. um, or maybe I'm uniquely dramatic life. for this. Well, that that has some <laughs> dramatic moments too. There's a particular one that I'm thinking of involving a fence. Yeah, well, I guess I'll put it this way. I think I think this kind of movie usually has sentiment sentimentality that's very obvious and very much on the surface and and that is spoon fed to you in a way. Mm-hmm. And I felt the emotion in this one um, very much sneak up on me in a way that I did not expect it to. Um, and I, I found it thematically concerned with things that I did not expect a movie about a kid and his pet to be, which is sometimes just about a kid loving a pet. I, I haven't seen it in so long that I'm struggling to remember some of the detail. But this is... There's a moment where he ends up in the RV, correct? Mm, yeah. Yeah, okay. Steve's yeah, on. Th- there's some real shattering Yeah. shit to this flick. Yeah, like, yeah. It's a real good movie. It's... uh. It's definitely the best A Boy and His yeah. film that yeah. I've seen this year. Yeah. Um, it's. I don't think I saw it. I think it was in April that I saw it. So specifics are hard. But Where Lean did on you see Pete, it? Sif? Sif. Yeah, I saw it yeah. at the crest. Yeah. Um, Lean on Pete the horse has an injury of some kind. He has bad feet or, or broken feet or something like that. Um, and uh, Charlie Plummer's character, I think his name is Charlie in the movie as well, so. um, takes a liking to him and... The smile on Charlie Plummer's face, I think, is as memorable of an of an image for me as 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 anything else this year. Um, and because of what Charlie, the character, ultimately has to endure, um, I think there is something kind of special about this kinship and the affection he has for this horse. Um, it uh, is just the movie that I never would have expected to be praising today. So, but here we are. Here we are. It uh. Yeah, it's a shattering movie. I I look forward to revisiting it. It it just didn't get above twenty for me. Mm. You know, I think I think it made it right above the uh, Rogers documentary. Oh um, yeah, for me, and I just never revisited it. If I had, mm. it might have been pushed down. I I can't see it making yeah. the top though. Yeah. But it's definitely like a great. It's just beautiful in that way that Cold War is beautiful. I think. Yeah, emotionally, absolutely. like it's it's emotionally resonant, and maybe it won't age particularly well. It's hard to say, but I think that it's uh, it certainly belongs to this day and age. Yeah, like it belongs to uh, this this time in a way that maybe we talk about some classic films like Titanic belonging to that time, mm-hmm. or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid belonging to that time. Um, yeah, Serpico, um, Scarface, like th- this weirdly just is that yeah yeah absolutely um it's no spoiler to say that you know he's um the son of a single father his mom passed away and mm-hmm. um they're um not terribly financially well off Wait, is jason um, momoa the dad in this jason momoa jason momoa is the guy in aquaman right yeah is he no, the dad I don't in this so. I don't no think so. okay the guy does look familiar but i don't think it's jason momoa that would be quite shocking if in retrospect it was Aquaman <laughs> as well, Charlie he, he does a lot of really small projects yeah. Aquaman's by far the biggest project he's ever been given I, yeah I guess the dad isn't Jason Momoa just looks very similar to me or something mm. or maybe I was watching way too much Frontier at the time hard to say yeah but yeah they're they're not terribly well off financially and 
we'll just say that the situation for Charlie doesn't get better. It gets worse. Um, yeah, it devolves. Yeah. Um, and I, I think something about what this film illuminates about just how scary that is to just feel like you're snowballing towards something um, more dangerous and, and more more difficult than what you already had to deal with. I think it's very similar to Leave No Traces um, kind of descent until those very final moments that we get in Leave No Trace. Definitely. I think that would be a very worthwhile double feature. I think those films talk to each other. And they're, yeah, they're very much based in the same vein of, you know, the Northwest and yeah, a certain type yeah. of empathy and, and descent into into growth. Yeah, totally. Um, That's Lean on Pete. You want to navigate to the squandries? To the squandries. What do you got? I have a actor and actress. Do you have an actor and actress as well? Uh, I do. All right. Well, then I will start with my actress. Um, Vanessa Hudgens. Mm. I think she is a jack of all trades of the highest caliber. She is a fantastic performer, and she was in shit roles this year. Oof. Let me read you some of the films she was in. Second Act. Did you see it? That's the J-Lo movie? That's the J-Lo movie. I did not see it. The Princess Switch. Did you see it? Don't know what that is. Dog Days. Did you see it? No. Exactly. Me neither. They all hey. scored very terribly. Uh, the Princess Switch, I imagine, is doing really good business for Netflix, though. It's one of those streaming titles mm. for little girls. So I feel like it's kind of unfair for me to lump that in because it is certainly a genre piece for a certain group of people, and I'm not that person. Mm. Yeah. But if you ask me who she's capable of being, she's capable of being that Anna Kendrick type. And I would mm. equate Anna Kendrick to the Julie Andrews type. Mm. Like, I think that if old-style, golden-era Hollywood was working correctly today... Anna Kendrick would be one of the top three biggest stars because mm. she is a capable of singing. She's mm. capable of acting extremely well and she's uh, very mirthful. And yeah. I think Vanessa Hudgens has all of those things in spades. I can see that. Interesting. Did you see any of those? I did not. Yeah. Would, do, would you even dare see them because she's in them? No. <laughs> you refuse. I, I will rewatch that little DC NBC show that she did with Ron Funches and mm. uh, Abed. I don't mm. remember Abed's real name uh, <laughs> from Community. Yeah. Uh, they canceled it. It had like, I think they made 13 episodes, but only released 11. But it was a fun show. Like, I'd rather rewatch that where she's like the star yeah. of it than get into that smorgasbord of shit. Yeah. Well. You want to do your actress? We can hope that 2019 is better to Vanessa Hudgens. I pray. Uh, I was really struggling between two actresses. Some I do an honorable mention. Is that acceptable? I, when I won't talk about Definitely. it too long. Lucy Boynton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, she was good. She was fine. I just felt like she just did not get nearly enough stuff to do this year. She was in Apostle. Mm-hmm. She was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, and I felt... Those are pretty big movies that I've heard of and watched. <laughs> yes, I guess, so when I was looking at Squandries, I, w I was sometimes just looking for performers who I thought did not get material anywhere interesting enough for relative to their skills. Of, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, like a... Um, yeah, I, I could see that. I definitely do that with my actor, so... Yeah. Um, but she was the honorable mention, um... I won't say too much about the her. Choice? The choice itself is Zoe Dutch, who was in Flower, 
Zoe Deutsch. Deutsch. Yeah. Deutsch. Zoe Deutsch, who is in Flower and the Netflix comedy Set It Up, as yeah, well she as did, uh, Assassination um, Nation. Was she in that too? I think she was. Did you look I did at not all see the that titles one. that she was in? Those were the two that I was uh, looking at particularly. She was additionally in one called, I believe it's called The Year of Spectacular Men, which I have not very much interest in seeing. Um, yeah, I mean, she only had two movies this year, Set It Up, which I actually really liked. I think oh, you, did like you that encouraged me to watch it. Did I? Um, or at least, I, I think I saw you log it, and I was like, let me check that out. And mm. I actually really did enjoy it as far as mm. a Netflix streaming title goes. Because mm. when I turn those on, I tend to, unless I have other expectations, I tend to expect to be as entertained as I would be if I had turned on an episode of The New Girl. Mm. And yeah. I was that entertained. I was yeah. that amount of entertained. So I responded favorably, you know, a, a two or a two and a half, three. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't overwhelmingly hate that movie, but I thought that in the two movies of hers that I did see, Flower and Set It Up, um, I just felt like I was seeing talent from her um, not being put to the best use as possible. Do you want some good um, news? What you got? She's in a uh, film with Johnny Depp where she is the number two build uh, number two build actor. Period. After mm. Johnny Depp, from a director called Wayne Roberts. The film is called Richard Says Goodbye. It's an hour and thirty minutes. It's a comedy drama. It's not yet rated. It shot in twenty eighteen, so it'll be out soon. She's in Zombieland two, coming out oh, next yeah. year. She's in a television series called The Politician, ten episodes, coming out next mm. year, and she's in Buffaloed. 2019. Very busy. So, your squandery choice has lots of stuff. She has uh, an opportunity to, to, to show her her stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I think some of the, the comic timing that I really did like from her in Set It Up, but that just didn't really pay off because of what that w- movie did for me, I thought would have been very well placed in something like Game Night. Yeah. Um, I think... But who uh, would you want to get rid of? That is difficult. She would just be an addition. Um... I think... Uh, Ooh, I like that. Extended hmm. five-hour edition of Game Night. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the best from her is still yet to come. So, so we do I it. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my male actor choice for the squanderies mm-hmm. is a actor that you know, and when I say his name, you're not going to know who he is. One of those actors. Mm. John Ortiz. Yeah, that does not ring a bell. Okay. He was... In this year's The Cloverfield Paradox, which I did see. Did mm. you see it? Nope, I did not. Okay. Nostalgia. Never heard of it. I didn't see it either. I'm interested, though. I'm a little bit interested. Mm. I can't remember why, but I did add it to my watch list right when I checked this out. Mm. Peppermint. You know what that is. Yeah. We both didn't see it. Yeah. Jennifer Garner movie. And he is in a movie that I did enjoy with a very small role that wasn't very good called Bumblebee. Ah, okay, okay. I'm going to look him up and see if, if I would recognize him. And John Ortiz came out of um, the same acting um, branch that Philip Seymour Hoffman did. Ah. They did a, a Philip Seymour Hoffman's only film together, Jack Goes Boating, mm. um, which is one of my favorite films, uh, just kind of ever, that I like to bring up that people don't know about. Not really, mm. like, the best ever, but, like, your favorite movie, maybe, that you haven't seen yet if you're a film nerd. Yep. Um and he is, I, I would equate him to Bill Camp. Mm, yeah. And that he's a perfect character actor. He can do whatever you want in whatever way you want. 
if you when we talk about Michael Bay movies, he is a Michael Bay type of actor. You give him a job, he shows up, he does his job, zero problems with how he how he delivers it to you. Mm. Um, and I would equate that to maybe how Bill Camp is in Wildlife, mm. um, or his smaller role in The Looming Tower. And I, I really want to see John Ortiz used more because he is one of the better dramatic actors working. Um, I would also compare him to a Tracy Letts. Mm. Yeah. As I look at his picture, he definitely looks familiar. And Silver Linings Playbook and American Gangster, those are probably the two I recognize him from. Um, so yeah, one of those guys that just... drop with a little bit of a bigger role. I see that too. That's one I did not catch. Did you see that one? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Tom Hardy movie. Of course I caught it. He was good in that one? Yeah, it's a, what you remember? It's a good movie if you like that genre. And yeah, he's... he's yeah. I can't name a movie he's really bad in. I can just name bad parts for him. Yeah. He's one of those actors. Well, uh, next year it looks like he's in the new James Gray sci-fi movie at Astra. That's pretty sweet. That's... I I did wonder if we should talk about, like, most anticipated movies of 2019 at Astra. It's one of them. That's pretty awesome. But that... Let's do that when we reconvene. (laughs) Yes. And he's got a couple other projects. Uh... Not all these directors, um, most of these directors I don't recognize, but he's got stuff in the works. All right. This is a an actor who I really liked in everything I saw him in. I am just desperate for a leading role. I just think to have gone a whole year to have done what he did in these small roles and not have gotten a leading part, it just kills me. I need something big from him. And it's Christopher Abbott. Yeah, baby. Yes. I love Christopher but Abbott. the thing is, James White is a film that exists. I do love James so White. So I didn't think about it because he's already done some of the best work that's ever been done. Yeah. And also he was in uh, one of my absolute favorite films of the decade and of last year, uh, It Comes at Night. Oh, yes. He was he great was in very, that. very, very good. Yeah. Um, in Vox Lux, he plays an interviewer with Natalie Portman. Yeah, and he's in. Uh, he's in... Uh, first man um as a fellow astronaut yeah um every time that guy pops up i just want more from him um so to say you know that his performances were wasted i i don't think that that, that's really that's not at all it's just that um i was desperate for more from him this year i am too and Um, i just hope that he has i have not looked by chance because yep. I, I do question with, with someone so creative as him, if he wouldn't be interested in seeing himself behind the camera mm. as well. But he is in a, a television series that um, came out last year. He was very, very good in opposite uh, Jessica Beale called The Sinner. Mm. Um, yeah, which I remember is, that. Which um, is kind of a one-off. Like there, it's, a, it's an anthology series about kind of agony and pain mm. and, and suffering. Um, I haven't watched season two, but I, I know that it's supposed to be completely different than season one Yeah. as far as characters and stuff. So um, that's definitely something that they can look for. I did not realize he was in that. Uh, yeah, he's really, really good. Like, he he is the sole reason that the film is grounded, or, yeah. or rather the, the television show. Yeah. Oh, he was in um, a film that I didn't get to see yet called Tyrell. Um Oh yeah, which has heard an actor, about that. Uh, shoot, I don't remember his name, but he's from um, the Chai, Jason Mitchell from the Chai. I really love him, and it's got Caleb Landry Jones. So I, you know, you got that Martha Marcy May Marlene thing. He's going. great. 
We had Tyrell. It was directed by Sebastian Silva, who I think did Nasty Baby. Really? Did you ever see that one? I did not. I've heard about it. That was a funny one. So he's got one film, one television show, guaranteed for 2019, Catch-22 TV miniseries, and a film called Possessor, where he... Uh, it's a Brandon Cronenberg film. I don't know if that's any relation to David. Um, oh, yeah. But it's... Uh, lead is Andrea Riceborough and him. Mm. Um, and then we've got two other productions going, Hilltown and Full Dress, where he plays two different characters by the looks of it. Yeah. So he was great everywhere I saw him this year. I just didn't, didn't get anywhere near enough from him. No, it's a, that's a great selection. That's one mm. of my favorite actors. Yeah. And I, I wish that I saw more from him. Maybe next year. Definitely next year. Let's do number eight. My number eight is... I believe God gives each of us a purpose. To the horse that's trying across the prairie. Go on, man. Go on, man. For cowboys to ride. The Rider, directed by Chloe Zhao. I knew we'd get here. Here we are. Starring Brady Jandro, I believe, is the lead actor's name. Um, another one that's really stuck with me. Um, beautiful cinematography. couple scenes that I really have not been able to forget. Um, Brady, I think his name is Brady in the movie because he's kind of playing himself. Um, working with the horses after he's had his injury. He kind of starts the movie with his injury. Um, working with another kid who's uh, disabled in the rehab center mm-hmm. um, when that kid's uh, well, it's all based on reins. true story uh, Chloe met him before he suffered the injury, wanted mm-hmm. to make a film with him, then he suffered the injury, then she developed the story about that um, injury happening um, there's certainly something beautiful happening to the real people in this film Mm. that is special um i think we did talk about it on the show where i voiced my uh just general distaste for the subject matter of the film um Mm. i'm not like a a pita person or anything i i already Mm. ate three different kinds of meat today (laughs) but uh just watching what they do to these animals for entertainment for some Mm. reason really just continuously bothered me Mm. um and undermined the beauty of the film Mm. yeah i i certainly am not in uh here to endorse uh any unfair treatment of animals but i i I never felt the movie condoning it in any way I i felt like it was just a very matter of fact depiction of his way of life in this particular geographical place it was just a personal thing where i was like i couldn't not like maybe whatever you were feeling watching the house that jack built about the grossness of the Mm. egoism Mm. of lars von trier being depicted in that film is kind of Mm. the grossness that i was feeling at the the choices of what these just real people do Mm. to these animals yeah yeah um and just a movie as a movie about um what it feels like to kind of lose your sense of direction um Mm -hmm. and your um way of life um you know he identified as a uh person who rides horses for a living and he has to figure out how to um move forward without being able to do that um and that it's um, it's touching it's like heartbreaking in multiple parts yeah um but yeah i think it was the very first podcast we recorded 
So oh, yeah. if we, uh, if you want to hear more, when we were go ranting back. about what the first purge, three identical strangers, we covered a lot. We did. We did. It was like, like a ten six. movie episode, <laughs> <laughs> at least. How about you? Number eight. Number eight. Small film. I don't know if it made your list. Did not receive very much business. It has gone to the moon. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. We have a goal for main engine start. T minus ten. The entire world's watching. Nine. Do you question whether the program's worth the cost? Seven. In money and in lives? Do you think you're coming back? Called First Man, directed mm. by Damien Chazelle, starring Claire Foy mm-hmm. and a small actor Ryan Gosling. Mm. But main focus here is Claire Foy. Mm-hmm. She'll be back, I promise. I believe it. <laughs> uh, I just really like this movie. It's uh, we had just watched um, what was that that one that, the right stuff? We just watched the mm. right stuff before um, before going into this, and I was just set up to experience cinematography and and film Mm. and an an auteur's vision. And that's everything that I got instead of doing the kind of miniature thing, um, that, that Nolan had done so well. And that I I had just seen, I think a week before, um, at that IMAX re-release of the 70 Mm. millimeter version that Nolan had edited, of 2001 a space odyssey Mm. like everything was just ramping into the sci-fi vision and it was just so human and so tragic and just so touching and and beautiful and i i did revisit it it wasn't as amazing on that second revisit because i already knew everything that was coming Mm. but it was still technically proficient in a way that just had my jaw agape yeah um i think it was leon bridges um, mm. who has that that small aside that we would liken maybe to a film that will be coming back with some of the black and white photography that we see mm. from the street level um, in a certain James Baldwin title yeah. uh, that really evokes, I think, James Baldwin's voice. And I, I think that James, if I was to say that one man could speak for all people, I would say that, that Leon Bridges' scene here is very much James Baldwin's voice. Mm. Um, just kind of screaming in in the middle of, of First Man, and it's it's not like it's not disparaging, it's not um, condescending, it's it's not uplifting. It's just raw and real in a way that that isn't judging. The way that Leon Bridges kind of delivers that famous line yeah. about um, Vietnam and and trying to go to space at that time. Yeah, it's just such a special flick, and the ensemble is impressive to say the very least and oh yeah i love chazelle what can yeah. i say uh i personally just can't forgive that they didn't show him planting the flag on the moon no <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm not one of those people <laughs> easily the worst take of the year probably like my least favorite take yeah. for any movie you can uh, tell they're real nationalistic mm-hmm. those folks <laughs> yeah I could make another list tomorrow, and it would be in my top ten. This is one that was very painful to leave off. Um, it'll come back in some of our other categories. Um, yes, it will. I, I, I think this is one of my favorite Ryan Gosling performances. Um, Christopher Abbott strong. I almost could have seen Christopher Abbott play Ryan Gosling. Me I might have just been just as happy with him there, but Gosling I, was great. Gosling was really good. 
Um, I don't have anything against Gosling, mm. but if you were to ask me to pick between Christopher Abbott and Ryan Gosling, I'd pick Christopher Abbott. Mm. Yeah. So you saying that makes me sad that I didn't get to see that. Film. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was it Kyle Chandler played the the mm. main other guy in this film, and he was really, really, really good, really yeah. good. And there's a small scene where Claire Foy is looking out the window. I think we actually talked about this exact spot on the podcast where we talked about it, but she looks out the window and sees the woman after her husband dies. I won't tell you who the husband is um, in a test flight. Mm, And she goes out and consoles her and screams at the neighbors. Mm. And it just, what Claire can do is, is second to none for me as, as someone who likes performances. Yeah. I, I I think she's probably a strong contender for best actress or best supporting actress. I mean, in uh, the Oscar race, I think she's she got a good be. shot. She she's up there with Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone, based on my understanding of how that category looks. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to some horror titles later in the podcast, but man, one of the most terrifying moments or thoughts was the start of First Man and him trying to re-enter the atmosphere oh, and saying, "I'm off bouncing off." I, I, it's just something that's never crossed my mind. What a terrifying prospect. And it, it was... Uh, that moment was so heightened for me from seeing the right stuff in that... Mm. that um, There's the word, juxtaposition. Yeah. Of the experience that he has trying to fly these planes this fast and, and ripping into to mm. that upper atmosphere and the right stuff and then getting outside the atmosphere and bouncing... Off of it and trying to get back in, yeah. Uh, oh, so special! That that was such a good choice by you to to mm. do both those films together. That was fun. I'm starting to second, second guess my my uh, favorite classic discovery, but I can't change Ooh. now. <laughs> Mid podcast, <laughs> great pick. All right, I guess we're going to get to path back to excellence. That's right. Would you like to go first, or should I go? I think you should go first. All right, I struggled with this one there were a couple uh couple contenders um i almost went with jeremy saunier and then i just felt like i'm not that concerned i think despite not entirely loving hold the dark i think that was more me than it was jeremy saunier Mm -hmm. i think i might come around on that film the more i've thought about it so i agree i think we should do a revisit episode where we identify some films that either we didn't like one of us didn't respond well to and the other really enjoyed to do like a revisit where we do two and two maybe yeah yeah. Um, so, yeah, he kind of crossed my mind, didn't go there. The one, the director I went with in the film specifically in mind is from Nicole Holop Center, who directed The Land of Steady Habits, mm-hmm. the Netflix film. I've really liked a couple of her prior films. Um, one was Walking and Talking with she Catherine did Keener. She said, correct? She did. Okay. And I loved Enough Said. Everyone does. That's um, one of Josh Larson's top films of whatever year that came out. Yeah. Um, Private Life, we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought The Land of Steady Habits would be kind of what Private Life ultimately was for me this year. Wow. Um, so you were expecting to get a top 10 film on the year from this director. I was very hopeful. Um, with the cast and with her behind the wheel and just the subject matter, I mean, I just like... And Ben Mendelsohn? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you um, can't ask for a better performer, I, I think, in that type of a role. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, uh, I think I gave it a, a three, probably with the heart, I because I kind of like, because I like what she's trying to do. Um, but it did feel like kind of a misfire for me. 
Um, do you think that that was the performance, or do you think that was kind of the subject matter and how this addiction death thing began to play out? I Yeah, I think I do like the performances, but I think it is more screenplay. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I think it maybe gets a little more dramatic than she's kind of willing to commit to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, some pretty dark stuff happens there. Does it start to feel... Like, because it's so dramatic and she doesn't commit to it, does it kind of start to reek of melodrama? A little bit, but it's almost like it's not... To me, it's almost like not dramatic enough, given what happens. And I don't know that I want her to, like, Specifically, that, the sun in the uh, bushes at the end next to the yeah. train. Like, yeah. that specific uh, part of the story is just so fucking breaking. Yeah, but, it, but, the, but the, tone doesn't, right. the tone doesn't seem yeah. to fit with what is actually transpiring plot-wise. Um, so it just it just felt like something didn't click there, despite really, despite me really liking what I think she was trying to do, which is just kind of depict um, everyday people, middle-class yeah. people, going through ordinary problems. Yeah, very um, experience. Well, but how do you I, think she gets back? I think she just tries again. Sometimes I think... Um, you don't have, like, a specific idea of how she... Of how she gets back to aces though like you don't see a, a certain project that you think she would just nail my only thought is that with enough said and walking and talking she's seen others so this is maybe not perfect but um they those casts aren't so big um you know enough said's really kind of a two-hander with yeah. uh, gandolfini and uh dreyfus is mm-hmm. her name yeah Julia um, dreyfus. and then there's uh, that one hippie chick yeah, role. exactly. The therapist. Yeah. yeah, kind of the supporting role. Um this was a little more a little more sprawling character yeah. wise. Um and I think maybe she just got spread a little too thin. I and um, I think the locations I started to get lost about halfway through before mm-hmm. he ever goes to the hotel room for Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever that holiday is. Yeah. I was just like, So where's he live? And where's this town? Okay, so this town is I think it was either in Oregon or Washington. And I was like, mm. that's not that town. I've been to that town. There isn't a whatever story you just mentioned it in that town. Yeah. There's not all these rich people in that town. Like, it just kept breaking apart for me logistically in my yeah. head. Yeah. Um, so it's not something that she, I think needs to dramatically change, right? She didn't mm-hmm. just, it wasn't, it was definitely not a bomb for me. Um, but I think maybe just um, narratively a little bit tighter focus on a smaller number of characters um, maybe something not quite so dramatic screenplay wise if if she doesn't want to quite go there tonally something more not quite rom-com but raw mellow com yeah yeah exactly um but um I have faith yeah I'm not worried I just want more performance driven yeah but that's uh the land of steady habits I still think it's uh actually I was gonna say it's still worth checking out I think I would just say go watch enough set and yeah Walking and talking. Well, I, I mean, it's uh, it's not something I would steer people away from. It's just yeah. if you have the expectation from the director who maybe you're starting to think of might have an auteurist vision that you might want to liken to like an Alex Ross Perry. Mm. Where you're like, why aren't I getting this from you? You, you know, you want that back. But I, I still think The Land of Steady Habits for newcomers to Hall of Center mm. is a fine place to begin so that you don't start with the best and then go down. Fine entry point. I yeah. agree. What about you? All right. Who stumbled? Well, so when you first got here, I had the path back to excellence for James Franco. Mm. And I was like, well, he's already got a lot of irons in the fire. Mm. 
We haven't seen how the do season three is going to shape up. I don't want to leap to any conclusions. So I instead pivoted to someone who I think has completely fallen away the last eight years from mm. America's hearts and minds. Mm. And that is the filmmaker, writer, director, producer, Oliver Stone. Mm, interesting. I think the last time he was warmly received was the uh, Shia LaBeouf uh, take of Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Oh yeah, the sequel. Um, That's right. Yeah, and then with Michael Douglas, obviously reprising the the titular role. Um, yeah. And then we get Savages, which was very poorly received. I actually really like it. I think it's a very moving piece of Shakespearean drama mm. um, in the modern day that does a lot of really clever things screenplay wise. Mm. But if you're not a writing fan or or you're not looking at things from that. Uh, authorial perspective there's a lot of stuff to pick apart which i recognize mm. and then he did a few small projects um some documentaries and then he did something called the putin interviews oh yeah in 2016 which really uh basically made every liberal audience that i am aware of hate him yeah i uh did not watch the putin interview i did um, they're extremely good they're mm. challenging because mm. i have an expectation and i have a a way that I view Russia, that I view Putin, mm. but what you see is a very human man who is being shown Doctor Strangelove for the first time, side by side mm. with Oliver Stone and you're seeing this man laugh and enjoy himself and it's mm. it's certainly something because I, I think I watched it right when I was watching Icarus um, before mm. the Oscars last year. Yeah, I was like I fucking hate you and you're a human and you do have a job to do and all these people rely on you like it, it's mm. very hard to hold these two opposite things in your head mm. um and I, I think that his, his his i don't know what to call it docu-series or whatever really does capture that in a very empathetic and human way that i know that's not an attractive thing to say you don't want to mm. show humanity to people but they are humans they're gonna make like if they're making these mistakes they have to be human right mm. or, or yeah. if they're this flawed they have to be human and I think that he has such a knack for that. Um, and it's really disappointing that he's kind of fallen completely from the grace mm. of America. Yeah. His hearts, minds, as, as viewers. You know, this is the man that gave us Platoon and Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that his path back to excellence... Hear me out here. What do you got? Sci-fi film. Oh! Colonizing a foreign planet. Wow, okay. And wrestling with... Um, all those things that he does in Savages, that he does in Wall Street, that he does in those Putin interviews mm. on a foreign planet with characters. It, like, like he writes this screenplay, he directs this film, mm. um, kind of in the way that Ridley Scott did with his with Prometheus, which I know mm. a lot of people hate, especially mm. in the film community. I'm a huge fan. Mm. Once again, love Numi. I, I, I really think that there's something special, very Ridley Scottish, that could be done from Oliver mm. Stone, very Shakespearean, mm. examining, you, you know, that when we think about James White's Ad Astra, when we think about uh, Claire Denis, what's that film called with Robert Pattinson? The sci-fi film we're going to get? High Life? High Life. Yeah, when I think about those, mm. I think, like, who else is someone that I really want to see go stretch themselves and think about what humanity is going to be like and what humanity is going to feel like and what the real flaws are going to be at the, when we're navigating planets. Mm. I think Oliver Stone is a storyteller. I really want to hear from that. Mm. And I think that maybe that would get back to the hearts and minds of contemporary America. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Um, do you know if he's done sci-fi before? That'd be Not totally new ground. Of. I think it. I when I was looking, it would be totally new ground. I was looking at yeah. JFK. I was looking at any given Sunday. I was, you know, like yeah. it's all. He he's always doing really human, really down to earth stuff. Um, and what I would personally say, really Shakespearean. Like I can't think yeah. of a film that he's made that I film, not documentary that he's made that I wouldn't call Shakespearean. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think JFK is the last uh, film of his that I watched recently. I probably watched that in the last year or so, which I really liked. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I didn't. He did Snowden, right? Yes. I think you mentioned Snowden that. was all. I didn't mention it, but that was also yeah. poorly received. I. Yeah. Am a, I'm a fan of the performances and the the effort. I'm not really a fan of the film, but I'm I'm a big fan of everything he was trying to do. Yeah. Um, and how those performances uh, coalesced from Shailene Woodley and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm. Yeah. Um, and JGL was at the top of his game at that point mm. in time. He just got off, what was that, the, the Man on Wire yeah. adaptation. That's uh, right. Yeah, he, one. yeah. He's yeah. He, wasn't, he wasn't around much this year either. Well, he's running that production indie production company uh, oh, that right? or whatever yeah mm, got it he, he runs mm. like a big indie thing where a bunch He's of independent busy. workers work yeah got it he'll be back yeah I like it uh I think you should drop him an email I think you should write the screenplay and say direct it I well I'll just tell him my idea and then have him do it because I trust him more there you go uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a good pick I he like made, it he made Blake Lively basically unforgivable but also completely innocent in Savages which only a real good screenwriter could do. <laughs> yeah. Savages. I'm kind of forgetting that one, to be honest. Um, was that with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's kind of. One of our favorite ATJs. That's right. Also, he was good in that, too. He if was. I remember. He was no Black Douglas, though. No. That's his peak. He's peaked. All right. Uh, so we are number seven, correct? Number seven. Shall I go? You go. My number seven is... You're not wearing a whole lot of clothes, but it's a family place. Like working at, at Chili's or Applebee's, except the tips are way better. If you know how to work it. But notice how I open my mouth real wide when I laugh. Like, <laughs> hey! Hey! Get off the car! It's Alexis. What are your main strength? Bar and grill. Please, come here. Please, come here. She's making sick money, though. Andrew Bujalski's Support the Girls. Yes. Loved this movie. I really enjoyed his last movie as well. Results, but I think this is a... Uh, I think this tops results for me. Um, this I, is one I, of the finest films of the year, to put it simply. This, did this make your list? This did not make my list. Ugh. Because I just rewatched it. Mm. Um, and there's something about rewatchability that mm. I kind of try to incorporate into my list, or something about the magnetic importance of it or something and it just mm. it's number 12 and like it's i close. was saying earlier uh as michael phillips of the chicago news tribune said mm. uh all those years ago on on film spotting when they were doing their top tens mm. number seven through 30 doesn't really matter you could take my number 30 and put it a number seven and i'd go eh, that works yeah it's fine yeah <laughs> yep uh i will happily revisit Double whammies at some point. Um, I don't think that there was a member of this cast that I didn't like. Regina Hall, Haley Lou Richardson, uh, Shayna McHale, I believe is her name, mm -hmm. um, who's another supporting actress. 
But um, I think I think the real standout is the lead, and then a Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah, Haley Lou Richardson's Macy is one of the most memorable people from 2018 for me. Like when she mm. comes out that door and pulls the popper. Oh yeah, and just Great. startles the shit out of her. It's just a mm. fantastic moment. Yeah, um, I just think it fits this really narrow category of film between broad comedy and indie comedy um and i think it's to me specifically a workplace comedy about Mm -hmm. just getting through the day um and the weird things that happen and how uh these women look out for each other in the process um i think it's kind of as moving for me as it is funny um it was a great viewing experience we watched that one together the grand illusion here in seattle um it makes me uh, want to kind of go back through Bajalski's films, having like two of his now, just to see kind of what his um, body of work is like I overall. Um, Bajalski in the summer. Yeah, something about um, you know this film together with Results, which is about personal trainers, um, uh, and his vision just kind of of unique workplaces. So unique, are you saying unique, we uh, can incorporate pain and game? Is that what I heard? <sighs> That's an interesting tie-in. <laughs> Um, and then one, I think his one before that was computer chess, which is about like competitive chess players. Um, yeah, I've been meaning to see that. I actually yeah. heard really, really good things about that. It's almost impossible to find though, if I remember correctly. That seems very possible. I think it was very micro budget. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it kind of has that look to it too, but I'm still very. I had to go watch it at like a specific university, if I remember oh, yeah. correctly. So, <laughs> not widely available. Um, but yeah, something about, um. Uh, you know, unique lines of work um, and ones that uh, cinema otherwise doesn't usually pay a lot of attention to. Um, I, I think also not just cinema, but America. Yeah. I, I think that, like, when you say that, you're not just talking about cinema, you're talking about cinema goers in America. And this yeah. is a, a group of people that I don't think we think about pas- compassionately um, yeah. in just everyday life. Yeah. Absolutely. I think this is very compassionate and also very funny. So, very funny. I think uh, I think this one is streaming on Hulu now. I think it just hit Hulu, so easy to check it out. There's far worse things that you could be watching. Watch Support the Girls. I and agree. Support the Girls. Do it. Um, Your number seven is... I apologize for my appearance. I hoped I might be employed here by you. Something. A monster for the children to play with, perhaps. It is important to make new friends in court, is it not? You're so beautiful. Stop it, I'll, you mock me. If I were a man, I would ravish you. <laughs> you have become close to Abigail. She is a viper. You're jealous. You must send Abigail away. I do not want to. Let's shoot something. The favorite. Yeah, good pick. So I went from one starring The Killing of a Sacred Deer last year from Yorgos Lanthimos. Not because it's a bad film, but because I hated the film. Because it was so well done to make me hate it. Because I was so deeply affected in a negative way by it. And now, the favorite, I think I gave a four and a half to. The Heart. Um, Bold claim, it's my favorite period piece since Lincoln. Mm. Just get that out there. Uh, Olivia Coleman's performance is one of the best lead performances by an actress this year. Not the best, but one of the best. We'll get to the best later, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Emma Stone. She's almost better here than she is in Maniac, and that's mm. really saying something. Um, and then Rachel Weisz is just as consistent as she's always been in Yorgos's films. It's quite the ensemble. It's it's just special. Like Nicholas Holt is fine or whatever, but like those three gals just and what he does with that fish islands we we just talked about mm. this movie but it's just such a fucking great movie it makes no sense that it's not on my top 10 it might as well be there ask me tomorrow and it will be i i think it's because we watched it too late like mm. i honestly was looking at my list this morning and i was like oh i don't even have the favorite on a list mm. like after we watched it i think we were gonna go see a movie and then didn't and then I just never got around to putting it, like, even in Letterboxd anywhere other than logging it. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, put this at 18. Oh, okay, put this at 7. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I just suspect this one is just going to be incredibly good on a rewatch. Like, I just don't have any doubts about how this will uh, hold up. Um, yeah. Acting of the highest order. It's funny, all those anachronisms, uh, the the manner of speaking that somehow feel very contemporary. We talked about that yes. already a little bit. I just think those but do also wonders for it. Clearly define it to its own era. Yeah. Um, and I know I haven't seen Barry Lyndon. Oh yeah. Still, yeah. but um, when I when I think about this and when I think about Mission Impossible, that thought that that is so crucial to making this top ten portion of a list is in 30 years am I going to want to watch it and is it still going to look good the way that Cold War is going to look good mm. okay well it's not going to look as good as Cold War mm. it's not going to yeah. it's just not going to Mission Impossible isn't going to look that good Yeah, but it's still going to look good and it's still going to feel good and that fisheye lens is still going to be great and Emma Stone smacking herself in the face is still going to be a defining oh, yeah. moment the way that we talk about defining moments in Rosemary's Baby or The Shining oh, um, yeah. it's just a special film and I am so happy that he made something that could please me and not make me hate everything yeah i agree um i don't know uh who did the costumes off the top of my head but as a costume drama i, I think, think these we'll are probably find out in february when they win that award probably <laughs> seems like a safe bet um for a costume drama i mean superb costumes i mean that's part of the appeal colette can shut it Ooh, <laughs> burn <laughs> that stupid beard that they put on dominic west oh, great movie um so we are about to delve into the stars who were born that is correct the opposite of the squanderies if you will that is correct let me pull up my stars were born would you like to do actors or actresses first i have one of each I or do you have, have just one written my actor first my actress is second but i have no i care in the world yeah <laughs> uh shall i go or would you like to go you go I will go. I will start with an actor first. And we are returning to White Boy Rick. Once again. Love this it. young actor's name is Richie Mary. What Merritt. a great choice. What a fan- good job. I yeah. applaud mm-hmm. you. Fantastic choice. I'm going to return to the Wall Street Journal. Just briefly. Okay. While this critic had thoughts on Richie Merritt. Making his film debut, Richie Merritt plays Rick as a sullen, evidently stupid, and certainly uncharismatic (laughs) schemer in possession of a modicum of animal cunning and perhaps a hint of personal insight. But there's no life in his eyes and little life in his acting. 
Boom. Has this guy ever watched movies? I don't know. I don't like him. I, how does he get paid for this? I just thought Richie Merritt was stunning. Like, um, I could see it if like this was the 12th movie he saw in like a sitting at a festival. Mm. Maybe. He was just winded. Give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, like, maybe yeah. this was the last day of can. He'd already watched 40 movies in four days. Or, you know. It's possible. There's certain... Th- I, I know David Ehrlich's been very open about, like, revisiting films and completely changing his mind. And then explaining oh, yeah. how that festival um, just affects you when you're on four hours of sleep and you're, you, oh, yeah. you know, you're on a different time clock. And it's you're like watching, 8 a.m. You're watching yeah. all these movies back to back to back to back and there's no AC in the theater. And, you know, like we, we've had negative experiences just due to the theater itself. Yeah. Or even if just the person on either side of you hates it, you're like, yeah. was that not good? That can oh, psych you out. God, yeah. dude, that happened watching Beale Street. There was this girl oh, next no. to me who was just going, <laughs> every three minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, why did you sit next to me? Uh, So yeah, I do not share this critic's opinion. I thought Richie Merritt was was really something. um, I think it's a very introverted performance, but I feel like there's just so much going on below the surface. His desire to help his dad. Um, I read um, that he was very difficult to work with. Um, He was a first-time actor. Jan Damage, the director, just somehow stumbled upon him. Um, he didn't even want to be there half the time. I just never, ever would have guessed that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is is maybe also sort of a directing feat. Um, you know, to work with a with somebody who's new who who's maybe not liking it very much. So I don't know that he'll be back or not. He um, has nothing else. Yeah. He has acted in one film and has nothing rumored. Yeah. Um, so I think it's very fascinating. Let me get you in touch with Sean Baker. Mm. See if we can't just write the ship like that. That could be a great performance. Richie Merritt in a Sean Baker movie? That's a great Sean call. Baker is the uh, up-and-coming actor Whisperer. Yes, I agree. That's and, a great call. And if call. we can't get them in touch, let's get the uh, Leave No Trace gal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thomas and McKenzie, right? Yeah. Mm. I, I was very close to picking Thomas and McKenzie. I was very close as well. Very hard not to put her on there. Um, but yeah, Richie Merritt. He may not be back, but I'll remember him. I will too. That's a great choice. Fantastic. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, I chose an actor who you're familiar with, but maybe not familiar with by name. Mm. Billy Magnuson. Billy Magnuson. No, I don't think I... All right. Don't look it up. Mm. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let, let me see if you can narrow it down. He was in... Maniac. Okay. He was in Game Night. Okay. You got him? Yes. Yeah. Blonde guy, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he was great. He's the next Brad Pitt. I fucking tell you what. That guy's funny. <laughs> he was also in The Oath this year where he played a... I, well, I don't want to spoil it. He played a person who you think is a federal agent. Um, mm. And for all intents and purposes of the film, is a federal agent who is completely evil. Mm. And he plays it so goddamn well and is so out of his mind the way that he is in Maniac in his multivariant role. Mm. Um, the way that he is in Game Night when he's just the stupid guy that brought uh, what, uh, the gal that does that Amazon show. Shoot. Shannon. Is it Shannon? Catastrophe? Catastrophe. Yeah, the gal that runs that show. Yeah. He's yeah. actually going to be in a, a show that she's developing for Amazon right now. Oh, nice. Um, next year. Um, and he was in, he was previously a character in the, um, 
Ray Romano, Chris O'Dowd series from Stars. It's called. It's based on Get Shorty. It's called Get Shorty. Mm. It was fantastic in that. And then he's in a, I think it's an NBC television show right now called Tell Me a Story. He's so good. And like I just said, he is the next Brad Pitt. Like, they need to remake Mm. Troy, and he needs to be Achilles, and Mm. we need to get the Black Douglas involved, because I see it all in my head. (laughs) That's interesting. You're thinking these big dramatic roles. I just thought he was so funny. Like, to me, there's just comic genius to me that's that range though right like when when i think about um some of brad pitt's most memorable roles for me Mm. they're kind of the the funny roles more than the dramatic roles or they're the really visceral roles not uh, not really the money ball role that he's you know gotten most of the the oscar bait and kind of stuff yeah yeah great choice yeah big fan of lots more to come from him lots more luckily for me yeah (laughs) All right. Who's your actress? My actress is... Let me make sure I have her last name correct. Good luck. My actress is Kaylee Carter from Private Life. Yeah. I loved Private Life. We will talk about that later. Uh, that's the homegirl that's trying to get preggers, right? That is correct. Yeah, dude. Yeah. She is desperate to help... Uh, Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti, um, another young actress who I think whose comic timing I think is just on point. Perfect. There, there's something, you know, oozing is a weird word, but like naturally oozing and warm about her, where it's like it's kind of the the um, good God Jennifer Lawrence effect, mm. where it's like you can throw whatever you want at her, and she has this weird, very cinematic movie way of acting. Where however she reacts is just so naturalistic and so mm. perfect for the moment mm. that it's just, oh, what a great choice. Yeah, I really liked her. Um, it's this combination of comedy and pathos that to me reminded me a little bit, if I had to pick a classic actress, golden era of Hollywood actors, it'd be Katherine Hepburn. I can okay. see Keely Carter opposite some other fine young man in something like Bringing Up Baby, a romantic oh, okay. comedy of that sort. I was thinking of uh, that Rome film. With Gregory Peck, I think. Or is that Audrey Hepburn? Um, is that Sabrina? Or is that uh, Roman Holiday? Roman Holiday. Uh, yes. I, that's one I have not seen. Ooh, mm. that's a great movie. Is that, is that Audrey Hepburn? I don't remember which Hepburn. It's one of the Hepburns. But I think you're right. Is it Gregory Peck or Cary Grant? Oh, God. I think it's Gregory Peck. Sounds right. I don't know. They all played the same cover. age for 40 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does Harry not make Grant it easy. Grant was in his 40s from 20 to 80. So was Gregory <laughs> Peck. So I don't know. He aged well in that <laughs> he did, did not age. Exactly. <laughs> They've got the Brad Pitt effect. Yes. So yeah, Kaylee Carter. Um, we'll talk about Private Life later, so I won't say too much more. I'll just say that she's in uh, Ari Aster's new f- film twenty next or in uh, 2019. So oh, really? very excited about that. Awesome. The... Um, Summer camp film, if I remember. Midsummer. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Well, here comes my actress, Julia Garner. Not to be confused mm. with Jennifer Garner. Julia Garner is, uh, I believe she's either Southern or, or Midwest uh, descent. She's definitely got that great patter to her voice that is incredibly authentic and just generally different from what you get from most actresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is in Ozark 
She is kind of the backbone of Ozark, if you ask me. She's in a film called... Uh, or no, I'm looking at next year's stuff. She was also in Maniac. Limited series. It'll come back. She was in a small television show, The Americans. Mm. She was in a limited series this year called Waco. And then she's also in something I'm not too sure what it is. It's called Dirty John. Ah, don't know. Don't know it's like one. a lifetime TV show where they're trying to get in a dark drama. Um, mm. Not too sure. But she uh, she's already got projects coming out next year um, or that are in development. Um, particularly season three of Ozark. A film called You Can't Win. A film called Modern Love. And she's rumored to be the actress that an entire film is being written around to bring back Harvey Weinstein. She's mm. supposed to be the star of the assistant project of what it was like to be Harvey Weinstein's assistant. Oh, wow. And what a great actress. Because she's got wow. such a strong backbone. But she can be so raw and innocent. Like, she's just got such a range. Like, she's really special. Um, and I look forward to watching her until I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. One that I have definitely not seen enough of. I am most familiar with her from Maniac, but I don't know that I've seen any of her other... Yeah, she played uh, the work. sister. I must yeah. sister. Yeah. Um, in Ozark, is she a daughter to uh, Jason Bateman? No. Or? She no. is a... She is a daughter of a renowned crime family. Mm. Or, or, you know, of ill repute. Mm. Crime family in the Ozarks once they move from Chicago to the Ozarks. And then she begins to kind of develop herself and assimilate a, a character that is both heartbreaking and incredibly strong. Mm. Um, it's, it's one of the, I think, better performances since Aaron Paul's supporting role mm. in um, Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. I would liken her to, to somewhere in that vein. Yeah. Um, not not at that level yet, but she's, she's navigating in those waters. Yeah. Ozark, definitely one I need to catch up with, uh, and that is just more reason to. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Well, we are on to number six, the final episode or final title in this here episode. What do you got? When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. <laughs> the dumplings incredible. One, two, three. The way she transmits her work. To decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. You are living with dangerous people. Suspiria. Directed by Luca Guadagnino, starring Tilda Swinton, and who's our lead actress? Uh, Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson is magnetic. I really like her performance here. Uh, Guadagnino's direction. Um, Tommy just York's score. Great score. We just might talk about that later. I have a feeling. I think so. At least when mm. it comes to me. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Something about the direction in this movie. Just how ordinarily he presents some of this really repulsive stuff that is just so um, bone-chilling. Um, you know, whether you're watching a girl get twisted like a Rubik's Cube or a group of 
women dancing. I think it's just stunning from uh, top to bottom. Um, the more I have thought about it, the more uh, problematic I do kind of find it. But I somehow weirdly don't love it any less. It's just one of those movies where despite problematic, the, <laughs> Problematic in the sense that I think it just it tries to attach some of that political narrative unnecessarily yeah but that's just one of those things where you know sometimes great movies have shitty parts i agree it's weird it's like i can just it's one movie where i have no trouble holding that in one part of my head and saying that is not necessary and just loving it regardless yeah. um it's just like what i like completely overwhelms what i don't like to or me what doesn't it's work. like I view it as some sort of a negotiation where it's like, Luca, make a movie that I actually really like. I understand Call Me By Your Name is beautiful. I appreciate that. I didn't really, really love it, though. Like, I just yeah. appreciated it. And he's like, okay, but I gotta do something for me. And that's that political agenda thing. And then yeah. he makes this film that's, like, totally for me otherwise. Like, otherwise, it's almost like a Lars von Trier, Gaspar Noé dance film. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. And I, you didn't bring her up yet, but Mia Goth. Oh yeah, oh my! She is the Great. reason why the film works. I agree. Like with, without her to ground that thing constantly and and make it very clear that Dakota Johnson isn't the bottom level human here. Mm. Yeah, she's so essential and so so good. Yeah, and I think it's really seamless how it kind of like hands the narrative over to her after a certain point, mm -hmm. um, in a totally natural way. Which I thought was great. The transformation of the. Uh, how we start with that room with the body getting twisted and then how it ends the bodies all the bodies getting twisted and, and blown up and um, oh yeah that it, that is one of that film has a few of my favorite cinematic moments and one of the top 10 cinematic moments of the year for me yeah when i was debating if i had time to rewatch anything for list making you know i was just sorting by length and that was the longest movie that i watched this year and I'm like, how is it possible that that was the single longest movie I watched? And I still, like, just didn't want it to end. Like, I could just could have sat there for another half hour. Yeah, and I, I was pissed off of, when it ended. Yeah. To be frank, I, like, I was like, why aren't there more heads that are pumpkining? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it just made me think there's something just stunning about how an hour and a half movie can sometimes just feel like a week. And that one just flies by. Yeah. It's a great movie. Not long enough. Number Fantastic six for me. Film. How about oh, you? It's amazing. It's a film that you probably won't find on anyone else's list this year. It's mm. from a director who will come back up. Your life slips away from you, you know? Changing your phone number and your email becomes normal. Taking out a restraining order, normal. Relocating to another city, normal. But you still see your stalker everywhere? Rationally, I know this is my imagination, but I'm alone in a strange city and I never feel safe. There's some more forms you need to fill out. It's just routine. Unsane. Mm. Starring Claire Foy. She's back, just like I told you, and she'll be back again. I believe what. it. Um, uh, supporting role, Jay Farrow. Really, really strong. Joshua Leonard plays the... Um, lunatic for lack mm -hmm. of a better word in the film really well and then juno temple is kind of the folk she plays this fulcrum role that is, she just plays it 
perfectly. Like mm. she comes in right when this genre needs this type of a character to come in. And instead of just phoning it in, she is completely committed and uh, very reminiscent of the way that she played her role in black mass where mm. she gave that movie way more than it deserved. Mm. Um, just, just a, she's a, a great young actress. I, I can't, sit, I can't put her in the stars were born category because she's already been born. Yeah, well defined. She's had shows and stuff. Um, still a star. Still a star. Um, something of note. Shot on iPhone. Mm-hmm. A few different lenses. Stephen carried around a backpack so he could navigate his lenses constantly. Um, but maybe something you don't know or the listener doesn't mm. know. He shot the film personally as the cinematographer. Mm. And he edited the film. Mm. And, uh... Full control. God damn it, do I love Steven Soderbergh. I just... It's... I watched this movie uh, more times than I watched any other film in theaters this year. I think I watched Avengers three times Mm. in theaters. Um, And I think I watched Unsane four times in theaters. That's a lot. Um, Yeah, thanks, MoviePass. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now that you're bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Off those Steven Soderbergh tickets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that one you enjoy, like, first and foremost as a genre piece, or is it, like, because of certain thematic material there? It changes every time, and it evolves every single time. That's every good, that's every a good time sign. I revisit it, I, I get drawn in, and I become part of this victim mentality that we start with with Claire Foy. Um, where, where I'm looking over her shoulder for her and I end mm. up kind of becoming her. I'm not a voyeur of the film at, at the beginning. I am her. Mm. And and then it has this transition where I begin to question her. Mm. Um, so I, I all of a sudden become the assaulter mm. of her um, and questioning her pain and her experience. Mm. And then it be, you know, you're without a shadow of a doubt and you can't believe that you did this, even though you've already seen the film a few times and you know it's coming. When that room scene comes... It comes, and, and when when she finds Jay Farrow, um, not not to, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just, yeah. As far as a genre film goes, this is my favorite of the year, and yeah, I'm a sucker for this genre. I'm a sucker sucker for the the psycho thriller, uh, psychosexual, this type of a genre piece, and especially when you get a, a actress who might be like a Hepburn. Whether it's Audrey or Catherine, I don't know. But the the things that she can do with her eyes, the way that the makeup and can can be adjusted so that you know how much she slept, and you mm. begin to see just from the rings around her eyes and and the pallor change, how she's descending into this madness, mm. and that you feel like it could be you. Uh, there's just something so special about Soderbergh's work. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, love it. I, love it. I liked. Unsane quite a bit. I loved Claire Foy in it. I personally am just not a big fan of the iPhone cinematography. Um, just aesthetically, it just doesn't do much for me on the eye. Is it because you're um, comparing to other cinematography? Because I could see that. I don't know. Even in a vacuum, I just don't know that I would ever look at a lot of those frames and say, wow, that looks good. Um, and some of those fish eyes. It's, it's not necessarily mm. that it looks good. It's how it looks. It's the way that you yeah. shot Kafka. Um, so, so what I hear you saying is it doesn't look good. And I would mm. agree, it doesn't really look good. Yeah. And that's the point. Does Claire Foy mm. ever look good in this? Um, 
I don't know that she ever, not really. I mean, yeah. I guess I don't know that it was interesting enough for me to justify it not looking good. Gotcha. Usually that's pretty hard for if, for a movie to say like, you know, the point of the movie is to not feel good. Like, well, then you have to have like a, a, a very high justification for why that is. I, and I think yeah. that he does because yeah. it's called exactly. Unsane and she's she's slowly descending into madness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would uh, turn you towards uh, Andy Serkis's Breathe 2017, Andrew Garfield, Claire Foy. He makes Claire look beautiful for as much mm. of it as he can. She's just always dressed sumptuously, really well um, manicured and, and kept up. And she just is the spitting image of just a beautiful woman. Yeah. And I think that in Soderbergh's Unsane, she is barely holding it together at the beginning. And then yeah. she keeps losing more. And I think that the way that he shoots that really accentuates her l- losing everything. And I definitely don't agree that it's beautiful, but I think that mm. what it, it's purposeful lack of beauty, I mm. think is very um, attractive to me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I would put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's something similar to the end of Mother in the swirling and the chaos. Mm chaos and oh chaotic-ness. but that to me that's be that is beautiful yeah i don't know that, that to me that's hard to compare um, well, well no it's it's just i would classify it in the same genre, uh, genre of the the dirtiness mm. that i'm appreciating like that children of men ending where it gets all dirty even though yeah. it's beautiful and you know they're shooting it with you know whatever a uh, red dragon 5ks or, or whatever you know yeah. like it's it's technically gorgeous at that level but they're doing something grisly and murderous yeah and yeah. i i think that he not only is using a camera that's something grisly and murderous it's yeah it's just grisly and murderous in all these ways yeah yeah um yeah you know i think i have seen this uh pop up on a few people's lists i think uh Lamusa was a big fan really? right i don't know i don't think they've released their list yet but i think i saw he gave it a four i wouldn't be surprised if that popped up on his list um yeah i think, so, uh, I think four is probably the highest i've seen of him rate a 2018 title yeah he likes yeah. to rate those 1930s titles with fives yes he does you just watched one yourself that he watched <laughs> this year the passion of joan of arc oh yeah good movie yeah. <laughs> didn't need to get to that unsane good pick number Thank six you. That's certainly a pick that I love. So, what is your top three ensemble? Ready? We count down from number yeah, three? Let's, let's count down, just back and forth. I think I am going to switch mine on the air, actually, because there have been two that I wrote down. I was going to do Support the Girls, but there's one film I do. I do just want to give love to this film, and that was The Death of Stalin. Great. Um, great choice. Fantastic ensemble. Um, Simon, Rush, Simon Russell Beale, Steve Buscemi, Jeffrey Tambor hilarious movie incredibly bleak um oh who is the gal who was also in mandy who shows up here in a supporting andrea role? riceboro andrea riceboro she's here as well um i i think these are just top-notch uh, Olga comic yeah yeah um and i i think they all just uh um work off each other uh perfectly um i think they're they're comic timing together is just um top notch and um it's one that i think probably suffers list wise from just coming had from having come out earlier in the year it definitely this does. came yeah, out February, in the last couple months awesome. yeah i think this could be even higher for me um i uh i think these guys all really uh worked terrifically well together yeah. i was a big fan me too all right well um my choice for number three will be back again but it's a small film called If Beale Street Could Talk. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so I don't know... I'm not familiar with almost anyone besides uh, 
Brian Tyree Henry, who mm. plays a small supporting role in this film. But Kiki Lane is the star. Stephen James is Fawny. Regina King. And then, for me personally, the two dads, uh, Coleman Domingo and Michael Beach, were mm. amazing. Um, Dave Franco has a small role that was a really touching moment. Um, I will dig back into If Beale Street Could Talk much later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think probably a few times. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> uh, come back. This up. is just a really special ensemble, and it kicked um, it kicked Mission Impossible out. Ooh, that's how good it is. Sorry, Tom. That's all right. He What's got your some, number two. He got some love. My number two is one I think we will split on, but that is Widows. I really liked all these performers. Uh, I liked all the female performances. Yeah, Viola, Dave, Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, um, who was maybe just um, across the board really solid this year. Yeah. Um, a movie that I don't think is going to come up on any other of my list was uh, The Tale, mm-hmm. which I thought she was great in. Um, Incredible. Uh, Her and Laura. Cynthia Erivo, Colin. Colin Farrell, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaluuya. So good here. So good. Um, I think uh, everyone can forgot Jackie Weaver. Jackie Weaver. I could go on. I mean, I, I haven't even <laughs> mentioned Liam Neeson. <laughs> well, I, he wasn't good for me. He didn't do. He did. I, I'm fine uh, leaving Coon? him off. If I have to not Carrie mention Coon somebody, was really good. yeah. Um, John Bernthal. Uh, did you yes. mention uh, what's his name, the patriarch? Oh, Robert Duvall. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think they all bring their A game. Um, it's uh, a huge part of why I I think love that film more than a lot of people do. Um, I will happily watch them uh, play these parts again. All right. Well, my number two is where we kind of devolve into the. Well, what are these lists? Are they are they the top films? Are they are they including television shows? Is a limited mm. series a film or a television show? Um, what does it mean if it gets a sequel? Which is mm. something that'll come up when I get to my number one, which I just found out about uh, earlier this week. Mm. Um, when I get to my number one on my top ten of the year, that is. Mm. Um, but my number two ensemble is Maniac. Yeah. Uh, small actress, Emma Stone, really small actor, Jonah Hill, never been mm. in anything before, Justin Theroux, Billy Magnuson, Sonoya Mizuno, uh, Julie Garner, yep. uh, shoot, Sally Fields. I, I mean, it's huge. I'm not going to name all of them, but it's just mm. from an ensemble piece. Like, if you just want to talk about like who has the most actors that are doing good work. This has to be in the top 10 of every single ensemble list just because of the mm. sheer amount of actors that do good work because of the format of the, uh, what is it, eight episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All top notch. Number My one. number one. Kind of surprised myself with this one, but I am going with Shoplifters. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Definitely um, solid all around. I can't find a weak part on the edges when I think yeah. about it right now. Yeah. Um, it's one where, you know, I can't pick one of those, um, I can't pick one member of that family to spotlight as, you know, a best actor of the year, but youngest I think, one. I think that was the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, just, um, it's the most impressive. Yeah. Off the cuff, you know, like wh- that little girl did all that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, to me, it's just, it, it has more to do with, um, what comes to life when they come together. Um, and how the... Um, some of the parts is, you know, greater than, uh, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. 
you could lose one of them and this is no longer just the portrait of a family i think this becomes something new when they come together and the way that they interact with each other just feels so real and um love uh full of love yeah Um, deeply human yeah my number one what about you my number one is a film that has yet to come up and also hedges an argument. Mm. How do you classify when a film is released? Mm. I've seen Under the Silver Lake. I saw it in 27, or yeah, 2017. No, 2018. Yeah, mm. I'm trying to work out where, where we're at now. Yeah. Okay, I saw it in 2018. You're going to see it in 2019. Mm-hmm. It originally premiered in 2017. When does that film come out? I guess I would... It probably is i don't know right whenever you want to talk about it (laughs) yeah no it's it's weird it's it's that thing and um i think that new york and la received my choice hostiles in 2017 and had a Mm two-week run uh, at the end of december Mm. um and my city didn't get it i think until february yeah so for me it's a 2018 film i'd already made my lists over a month i couldn't change it after i watched the film and i think that I, I mean, we'll get back to it later, but I, I, I guess just as a as a whole, what the mission statement of the book is and what the mission statement of the film accomplishes are the exact same thing, and the actors completely breathe the life into the book and into the film in a way that we are, I think, very unaccustomed to when it comes to adaptations. I would liken it to if Beale Street could talk when I say how expertly it brings a voice into the written words of the page and the, yeah. the deeper meanings and the deeper longings and those certain human echoes that are that are in the crevasses that only actors can bring out yeah in the long run the years don't really matter anyways your favorite movies are just the ones that you love no matter when they came out so yeah it's just like a but problematic for list making um but, you know, I think people should just talk about them whenever they feel most strongly about it. Yeah, but, I, you know, um, our, our friend friend of the show, mm. filmmaker Jared Bratt, he got mm. to see Climax at TIFF. So oh, Climax yeah. is one of his favorite films of 2018. Yeah. But you and I won't be able to see it till March. Yeah. yeah gotta you wait. Know, so it's, there is an interesting debate that I would like some consensus on. <laughs> I know. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's no uh, universal standard. There sure is. Really isn't. should agree on. All right. Well, that's uh, part one of our top 10 of 2018 and uh, smoldering of other lists. Let's do a cheers and then uh, break down and uh, go do a refill and get to the back half. Yeah. More to come. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. So many movies. You're the best and we love you!